0: Good afternoon, everyone. It is office hours live from SoFi Stadium. Not a green screen behind me, it's actually my office here. Also blessed to have Melinda Brianna Epler on. Thank you so much for joining us. She's the CEO of Change Catalyst and has a new book, How to Be an Ally: Actions You Can Take for a Stronger, Happier Workplace. There's no better time to talk about this. Thanks for joining me, Melinda.
1: Yeah, great to be here.
0: Thank you. Well, you know, obviously, uh, retention, the great resignation, uh, recruitment, (laughs) uh, all of these are critical business issues. I think next to our uh, delivery uh, systems that we have, the recruitment, retention, and resignation era here is probably going Mm -hmm. to be the most costly of all corporate uh, expense that we have. understanding how we can have a better relationship with our workplace is essential. What are some of the things that we talk about on how to be an ally? What are the things that we should be focusing in on uh, as leaders to help align with the workplace?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, so many people are experiencing burnout right now um, and that's part of their great resignation too. And, And so um, just kind of, you know, thinking about about that and about how you can reduce turnover is really, you know, as an ally. So taking a step back, allyship is empathy in action. It's really understanding what people are uniquely going through and then helping them and supporting them, uh, helping them thrive, right? So um, right now... Um, is checking in if you're a manager, if you're a leader, is really checking in with your team, finding out what's going on, finding out what's happening in their lives and how you can support them. And um, it might be that, you know, sometimes our, our our capacity right now for what we can do um, is a little bit different. And um, a lot of people are experiencing a hefty amount of stress and um, things that they haven't had to deal with in the past. And, and so it's really, you know, making sure that um, you're, Taking, taking the time that you need to regenerate yourself so that you can really show up fully for your team and also recognizing when your team needs time to, to regenerate and um, where they're stressed and try to um, work to re- alleviate that stress.
0: You talk about three things, inclusivity, uh, being inclusive. Uh, so many people feel separate for variety of reasons and there's many people reinforcing separateness. Uh, you talk about mm-hmm. equitable. You know, how do we create that sense of fairness and equality um, of equitable uh, opportunity as well as equitable responsibility? And then most importantly, you talk about accessibility, uh, which I think is so important uh, because I see accessibility as a duality, not only accessible to others, but how are we accessing what I want? You know, as you look at those three things and talk about those three things in your book, how do we rethink inclusiveness, equitable, and of course, accessible?
1: Mm, I well, I th- I think the the key is is not looking outside of ourselves. Um, you know, so so many, so much of diversity, equity, and inclusion um, is it, you know. We we see it as a kind of a side project that we're doing, or we see it as the work that the the HR folks are doing, but is really the work that we all need to be doing together, um, right? So, some you know we have definitely picked up biases along the way that we need to interrupt in ourselves, so that we're not unintentionally harming people with our words and our actions, and and um, and so part of that part of this is kind of internal. Work and then and then the other piece of it is really recognizing that our you know our so much research shows that that uh, our pay is inequitable that our promotions are inequitable that um, that that we need to, to really look at those and do do an analysis of those those systems and and correct them so that everybody is paid equitably. For it, just as an example of equity, and then accessibility is. Um, It's it's an essential thing for so many people with disabilities, and um, in particular, and and so rather than it be an afterthought, which it often is, I work in the tech industry a lot, and accessibility is kind of an afterthought. It's, it's, oh, we built this platform, now how do we make it accessible, instead of really, how do we make an accessible platform from the start? It's a lot easier as well as um, uh, just better for, for people in the world. And, and we all um, benefit from different accessibility features in our products. Right.
0: Another issue that I'm dealing with is I think people are overlooking the positive side of what's happened in the workplace, meaning, you know, there's been this big flight to entrepreneurship, which has obviously helped my brand and helped my career, you know, all of a sudden, mm. making you know entrepreneurs autograph-worthy, picture-worthy, and uh, stage-worthy uh, for selling businesses. More importantly, I personally, as much as I love being an entrepreneur, it's definitely for the few and far between. And although we've started more small businesses <laughs> than ever before, I think people are overlooking huge benefits of entrepreneurship. Uh, because of what has mm. happened, we get a lot of the benefits. Of being an entrepreneur while getting the security and stability of being an employee of a company, of, of having a communal workplace, whether it's hybrid, remote, or remote, even. Uh, there's a lot of benefits to the equity side of it, we're never there. A lot of freedoms were never there. Obviously, healthcare is a huge issue uh, that has always held people back from being entrepreneurs. Well, now you can mm-hmm. be an entrepreneur within that healthcare system still and be an entrepreneur. How do you mm-hmm. think the great migration back is going to impact this alliance or this being an ally in the workplace? Because you know, 99% mm-hmm. of all entrepreneurs, they quit. I don't always say right. they fail, but 99% of entrepreneurs quit uh, and they just don't have the persistence and patience to make it. Uh, if they mm-hmm. did, they would evolve to it. But how do you see this great migration back happening or do you see it happening?
1: interesting yeah i mean i think the other part of the great migration too is there's so many so many um parents especially women um um stepped out of the workplace too because they needed to take care of their their families their 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 children or their or their um their parents and other family members so there's this that that piece of it as well um you know uh that it, it I hadn't really thought too much. I haven't thought too much about the entrepreneurship side of things. I think that, you know, one of the great things about being an entrepreneur and is that we do have that kind of um, the sky is the limit, and we have that um, the um, innovation kind of mindset that we can take back into into the workplace um, when when people come back. I also think that um, a lot of people have left to go to startups because. Startups give you more flexibility in terms of your your workday, your your time. Um, you know, when you when you work um, can be different, um, and you and a lot of startups are working remotely, whereas some of the bigger companies are are bringing everybody back in. A lot of people aren't aren't wanting to do that, and so um, that freedom, I think, is still something that you're seeing in the job market is um, that. That uh, disparity between there's there's um, a lot of people looking for work and there's a lot of open jobs and they're not um, they're not being met right because so many people are looking for um, um, more they want, they want what they want. They want, they want that remote s- space. They want that flexible work, those flexible work hours. They want to have meaningful work now. Um, and so companies do need to make space for that and figure out how to, um, make that happen. And then I, I you know, there's additional piece of and you know, when, when people have stepped out to be caregivers is, um, the way we do hiring right now, uh, we, a lot of AI is, um, it, it, we, we rely on AI to go through a lot of the resumes, and they then and so they automatically throw out people with gaps in the resume. Um, and and so that's going to be a real issue as people start to come back too. Is um, it, it is rethinking those those hiring systems so that you're I mean these good people that just stepped out because they had to. Um, we need to uh, make sure that we're making space.
0: Yeah, it's a great point. And you also include. In your podcast uh which is the leading with empathy and allyship uh but also in your ted talk which uh was extraordinarily popular i think you had over a million views mm-hmm. in a very short amount of time people loved it, it was the three ways the better um ally in your workplace um but empathy in both your podcast and your ted talk are extremely important
1: um mm-hmm.
0: and it's something of my four core values why mm-hmm. is empathy Uh, you know, a lead of characteristics and values uh, that is going to help with the, you know, catalytic change that you've been working so hard for so many years. Why is empathy Mm -hmm. so important?
1: Yeah, um, uh, for for many different reasons. I actually think that the world, uh, we need more empathy in the world for so many different uh, reasons, I think. Uh, One is that... um, empathy, having um, good empathy and showing empathy, I think it's really important to, that we don't just have it, we have to show empathy. Um, uh, that, that That's a, a leadership quality that um, leaders can't go without now. I mean, you, you have to have that empathy um, piece uh, of leadership and, and really showing empathy for your employees, especially now in this great resignation time, right? Um, and, and this time of, of so many people going through so many things. Uh, I also believe that um, a lot of the world's problems will be solved if we had a little more empathy for each other and we build products and system and, and services that um, where we're thinking about the consequences of those, um, where, we're, where, where we're thinking about the consequences of those to other people rather than um, only looking at the bottom line in terms of revenue, really looking at the bottom line in terms of the impact, the, the social impact, the, um, the human impact as well.
0: Yeah, and that impact uh, takes time. I always say good behavior aggregates mm-hmm. the same as negative behavior. The only difference in good behavior is that we expect the results to come quickly and negative mm-hmm. behavior, we never expect the results at all, but both take the exact <laughs> same amount of time Um, we've made a lot of advancement, uh, and thanks to you and people like you and your company, specifically inclusion and equity in the workplace. Um, but we have a a long way to go. Where do you think our biggest challenge is today, you know, in the way of where we want to be, which is equal pay, open Mm -hmm. empathetic minds, open hearts and open hands, and this i believe it's possible to combine activity we get paid for with activity we don't with the same enjoyment Mm -hmm. you know how you know what's our biggest challenge today to to get there besides time
1: (laughs) yeah um i think it is a, a scarcity mindset um which as an entrepreneur that's a terrible thing to have too right is um that scarcity mindset is um i if i help other people that somehow it is going to bring me down um and um and then on top of that, there's there's a fear. I think a lot of people have a fear of um if I if I try to be a better ally, if I try to work on diversity, equity, and inclusion, then I might do something wrong or say something wrong. But a- as you said, you know, it's it's um there are consequences for not doing anything at all. There are consequences for um for uh, for not taking action as well. And so you also have to think through, you know, um you know, what, where are my values and, and am I stepping into those values with my actions? Um, am I um, working to the, create the change that I really believe um, uh, believe in and, and, and to not think of it as a, not have a scarcity mindset, but instead have an abundance mindset? There's more jobs available. There's more pay available. Um, and so um, um, creating fairness, creating justice is, is really important.
0: I agree. We are in control of our mindset, our heart set, our hands set. We have to live in a world of more than enough. And good thing about we've made the technology that we have is we're starting to see some real numbers, some hard numbers of how open-mindedness, abundance, uh, and inclusion creates more revenue. And one -hmm. thing I know about business is I'm getting older and older is money talks. And when we can Mm -hmm. prove that people make more money by being good, people make (laughs) more money by including and being equitable. This is when I believe your catalytic change will really take effect because good intentions go so far, but when you got the money to back it, I think we can get those changes faster. Like even myself in meditation, uh, what was the catalyst for me to start meditating was someone told me through meditation, I could raise my awareness. That didn't interest me until they told me I could raise my awareness of when to buy or sell. And meanwhile, (laughs) once I learned learned to raise my awareness, all these other great things happen. And you are making great things happen. Your book is incredible. It came out in September, How to Be an Ally, Actions You Can Take for a Stronger, Happier Workplace, which I'm sure will also carry over into your home life. Your TED Mm -hmm. Talk, one of the best out there, fastest viewed one. It's amazing. Three ways to... Be a Better Ally at the Workplace. And of course, your podcast, Leading with Empathy and Allyship. Thank you so much. I so appreciate you, Melinda. And keep up the great work. uh, And we'll see you soon.
1: Thank you. Thank you. And I, I love that you're meditating. I uh, I will just say one, one thing really quickly is my meditation. It took for me because, yeah, of course there's benefits. But for me, it was when somebody told me that if I meditate for 20 minutes, I'll get 20 minutes back in efficiency in my day.
0: Yeah. I think we get 40 minutes of efficiency back. That's what I experienced. All right, right. I mean, yeah. 100%. Thank okay. you so much. Great talking with you. To have you yeah. back. Take care. All right. We are back. What a great guest. Uh, we got Zeke and Nate coming on here. My boys from Crossed, the Drinkish.com. What do we have, Zeke there? What's hey, David, how's it going? Thanks for joining me.
2: Thanks for having me. I love the background. Oh, man,
0: that's it's real. Not even oh, wow, even cooler. Sure. That's my office. So uh, we're blessed to be here at SoFi Stadium and uh, have our office, podcast, studio, conference room. So come join us in person. We got to get the cross benches in here at the stadium though you guys love you. i've been uh following talking to you guys for a long time and man you're serious progress uh from your dorm room uh to now the boardroom and so i was hoping you could give me a little bit of update on what's going on across
2: yeah first of all thank you so much for having me on um really really appreciate it and excited to share an update with you um So Since we last spoke, uh, our first brand Sesh has made a ton of progress. When we had last spoken, we had initially launched in our first four test markets, New York, New Jersey, Ohio, and Illinois, in order to collect data, understand who our consumers were, and get some proof of concept. Um, The early data and early results were so strong and so compelling from those first four markets that we're adding eight more states by the end of the year, and we'll be covering um, pretty much up and down the East Coast, and then all the way out to Ohio and Illinois as well. Um, We're launching with some really amazing retail programs including at walmart southeastern grocers winn dixie down in florida um, expanding with six divisions of kroger across everywhere we uh asked for with that um we're also in metlife stadium um, which is a really exciting um, win for us as well and so getting some really big retail expansion on session and and at the point where that brand's really beginning to scale and at the same time we just launched our second brand which is called happy sake it's the first ever sake based spike seltzer made with only premium junmai sake real fruit real tea and sparkling water it launched about two weeks ago in California. It's in all 145 BevMo stores. So if you're on here and you're BevMo, go and get some. It'll be in Erewhon and Ralph's in a couple of weeks. And it's available online, direct-to-consumer across the country at happysaki.com. And that brand will be launching in Florida um, with Art Basel in about two weeks. We're doing a huge launch party and activation at Art Basel with our celebrity co-founder, a guy named Jordan Barrett, who's one of the most famous supermodels in the world. Um, and the co-founder of Happy Sappy. So really excited about those two brands. Um, Cross Beverages, is our holding company, um, is building an incubator to develop a portfolio of brands in the fourth category of beverage alcohol. And these are the first two brands that, that we brought to market.
0: You know, there's so many different layers of your business that I've been involved with for the last 30 years. Uh, it's that initial internal cell to get, you know, distribution. Then there's the external cell to make sure it's getting off the shelf. Then it goes back into the internal cell of raising enough money to handle the interest in business that you've built. Then you have to put more money into getting bigger distribution. Then you have to have more money for the marketing, the national, international, and it goes on and on and on. I look for entrepreneurs like you that have that skill set that they love that process, that they, don't mind the fact that these are just milestones. There's no end or outcome. You have to be able to detect emotions, you know, from where we were last time we spoke to where you are now from six you know, of these to 12 of these to eight of these to 180 of these, because no matter what the numbers are, you still have to keep on keeping on in the consistent, Absolutely. persistent way. Because we're coming to the end of the year, because – there's so many people that are dabbing into a different individual businesses. What's your secret sauce of sticking to it, of being consistent, and persistent? Because obviously you're making it happen. You know, I bet on the jockey, I bet on you and Nate any day of the week because you guys aren't going to quit and you enjoy what you're doing. What's the secret to that?
2: I think that's a really good question. Um, we are a First of all, I think every single day, the most important thing for us is that we are learning a huge amount every single day. And that in and of itself keeps us going. It's motivation. It's exciting. Um, But beyond that, um, I think we have a very clear goal in mind. And until we achieve that goal, there is absolutely nothing that's going to stop us from working every single minute of the day to make that goal happen and moving every single mountain in front of us to get to that point. And so for us, I think the secret sauce is really just about, and by the way, we're not saints in any sense right there are plenty of days where we don't have the motivation where we feel like going back to bed where we're exhausted and some days where it feels like you know there are things in front of us hurdles in front of us that we won't be able to get um to get in front of and to get around but what we look back on is that you know if we think of where we were three months ago if we think of where we were three months before that and three months before that at every single interval we've made huge amounts of progress and just thinking about where we might be in three months from now gets us excited to continue working and um achieving hopefully the goals that we have set out for ourselves.
0: And when we set out goals for ourselves is one thing, but we have expectations, especially when we're young, we're in college, we're starting companies, we're doing all these things, but yet, you know, you have a legacy in your family. You know, your are uh, the late grandson, your, your grandfather was, you know, one of the, the legacy executives in uh, this business. Do you feel extra pressure or do you feel extra support because of the great legacy that your grandfather Edgar left to you, uh, is the late CEO of Seagram's, of course. Uh, do you feel more pressure or less because of your legacy?
2: I feel incredibly lucky to have the support system, institutional knowledge, kind of learning through osmosis, um, and I feel incredibly lucky to be, you know, in my own way, connecting with my grandfather after he's passed through this. Um, I don't think that there's you know an added sense of of pressure to um, you know I'm not trying to fill his his shoe steps I'm not trying to you know be what he was and I think if I was that would be a, a totally unrealistic goal for myself and and would be way an artificial amount of pressure um, we're trying to to create really dynamic and exciting brands that speak to a new audience of consumer um, and we're trying to we're trying to be you know scrappy and we're trying to do it in a you know, really bootstrapped way in a different way. And so I think that it's really a helpful parallel. It's incredibly exciting for us, but it's not something that, you know, we think about we're repeating what uh, what has been done or anything like that.
0: Yeah, and I, I see that in you. And, and even Nate doesn't take on as much pressure because I think sometimes it may be overwhelming if you're the partner. And speaking of partners, you know, I have a old saying that I learned in business, you know, number one rule of partnerships is... Don't do it. Number two rule. If you're going to have a partner, make sure he has more money than you. And three, if you don't listen to one or two, go back to number one. Uh, and I'm always amazed when young people uh, that haven't had the situational knowledge experience, uh, the relationship experience can take so much pressure and still keep a partnership together. It's almost, you know, like people getting married too young. I yeah. feel like uh, young entrepreneurs that partner a lot of times, uh, don't understand what they're doing and it blows up some serious friendships. I just am amazed how much closer you and Nate have become and how much you support each other. It's like a, a great young match of, of marriage, but then you take on another partner with your sake uh, as well. What has been the dynamic of that partnership? What, you know, has it meant to you and what advice would you give to other young entrepreneurs, whether to partner or not?
2: Yeah. Yeah. First of all, I, it's a really, really good point. And I would say, you know, Nate and myself, this wasn't a thing that we had been, you know, the two of us had known each other our whole lives. It was really a shotgun wedding, to continue your analogy. We, we met freshman year of college, became fast friends, and started this business three, four months later together. And I will say that every single day, we make each other better at what we do. And that's the most important thing. Look, we obviously... Have things we disagree about. We have things we fight about. I think the most important thing for the two of us was very early on defining roles. And Nate and I have different skill sets. And we're both totally comfortable letting the other person handle the things that they're better at. And we trust the other to be able to handle those things. And we never second guess. Um, we obviously are always checking in, but we, we really do trust the other to handle their areas. And I think that's the most important thing is finding a partner who is strong in areas that you're weak, and then trusting them to be able to go out and and handle those areas because you can't possibly be good at everything. And no one can be good at everything. And understanding your own weaknesses is, is I think, a really, really important piece to any partnership.
0: And you were speaking about being radically humble, knowing your own weaknesses, which I didn't uh, acquire until much, much later in my own career. It's my uh, Achilles tendon, my ego of being ignorant and arrogant, thinking I knew everything. And then later on in life, realizing I don't know what I don't know. Uh, but one of the weaknesses when you're in a partnership is you were talking about everybody gets into fights and one of the most crucial things in a partnership or in a business is fighting fair you know i think it's okay to get upset because it means you care i think it's okay to 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 get into disagreements or fights as we call them but you know what ruins the partnership and ruins the business is when people don't fight fair uh and you know who, who fights more fair, you or Nate, or do you both, you know, seem to let it go and, and take constructive criticism and mistakes well?
2: I think we definitely have different styles of processing, but we're both very able to, you know, we, we take a second apart and then we're able to both come back a minute later and have a conversation very, you know, coherently without the kind of emotion still in it and, and be able to kind of just look at it from the facts. Um, look, we're all... Exhausted. There's a million things going on every day, and there's times when it's just like you you get annoyed at people, and you've had a long day, and you you get into a little spat. But on the substance, we always look at it um, from a pretty um, you know neutral perspective, come to a making a decision without everyone finally saying, even if I disagree, I'm aligned with where this decision is going, and I understand the reasons for that. And I think that's the most important thing.
0: Well, I don't know if you and Nate are tied up or not, but you guys are in the most eligible bachelor category. Uh, if you guys can get along with each other, imagine what you could do with someone a lot better looking than you. So uh, I'll put your name up there as the most eligible bachelor. I'll take uh, it. Thank you. I, I, um, I'm I, just always so impressed. I just, I wanted to have you back. I wanted to know the progress of, you know, not only with crossed and Sesh and now with the sake, uh, we know where to find it. If anybody wants, just go to drinksesh.com. Is there a new sake website as well?
2: And yes, happy sake.com. H A P E sake.com.
0: Yeah, I can't. I can't wait to try it. Don't be afraid to say, if it's in California. Don't be I'll swing by Bevmo or sw- swing it by my office because I'm a huge sake fan. Definitely. We will send and, you samples. Man, fruit juices and tea abstract. That's my that's my jam. So uh thank you so much. Come back, say hi to Nate for me. Keep up the work. And uh, i bet on the jockey. I'll bet on you guys any day of the week. Thank you so much, and congratulations.
2: Thank you so much, David. It was great speaking to you. We'll send you samples. Talk to you soon. I love it, man. I will put them
0: on videos. Awesome. Thanks. (laughs) That's awesome. All right, everyone. Uh, We're here at SoFi Stadium. It's Ask Me Anything. Oh, nope. More Good News Wednesday. And I've gotten some great news today. You wouldn't believe it. We're going to be announcing some incredible things about this show, about Two Minute Drill, about the podcast, the playbook, my book. Things are happening, and we're so excited. So I wanted to thank everyone for your support helping us, elevators. We appreciate you. Uh, my takeaway for the day uh, is if you want to make God laugh at you, come up with a well-developed plan. Uh, but I will tell you, this is a gorgeous backdrop. It is not a green screen. Look at that. I'm right out there. And uh, we're blessed, you're blessed, be kind to your future self and do good deeds. This is Office Hours with David Meltzer.